Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paula Favor. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Uh, today is Friday, the 23rd of September, 2022. Uh, and I'm happy that the uh, climate and uh, the weather is getting a little cooler. Uh, as you guys know, uh, we've uh, turned the corner into the fall. Uh, it's fun to watch the leaves fall off the trees, and uh, at least in the morning and the evening here, uh, in the Carolinas, in Pineland, uh, we have uh, cooler weather. Um, My favorite time of year. Absolutely. Yeah. I so got, I just got back from the beach too, and um, I mean it was perfect down there. Yeah. Absolutely so I was. Awesome. I was thinking I, I should have gone to the beach, but uh, you know I I just didn't. Uh, I just got busy. Yeah. So. It's good because like most everyone's like back back to work, back to school. So you go down there at this time of year, and a lot of times it's just it's a little you know not quite so congested. Yeah, and that's always fun because it's uh, it sucks to be like uh, feel like a sardine on the beach. Yeah, you know, no, I mean, it was there was plenty know? of room. It was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, Carolina's got some fantastic beaches if you haven't been there. Absolutely. Well, uh, today, guys, uh, what we want to do is kind of shift gears a little bit. And uh, so this would be more like a Bible study. So if you're not into, into that, you uh, have our permission to just uh, turn wait, this off right now. Wait till next week. Yeah. Hit another episode. But if you do, yeah. you'll miss out on something really important. And uh, so today's podcast, uh, I'm entitling Navigating Your Way Through Life, God's Way. Now, don't, want, don't you want to know that? Uh, and I think, uh, I think most of us do want to know that. Uh, in a survey conducted by Johns Hopkins University of some 8,000 students, there are about uh, 48 colleges involved, and they were asked uh, one question uh, that, uh, you know, what's the most important thing to you? You're going to graduate. Uh, what's the most important thing? Uh, and tellingly, 80% of them said their first goal was to find a purpose and meaning to life. And I think that's that says a lot. That's enlightened, actually. I, I wouldn't have thought that would have been the answer. That yeah. is the answer. That uh, is. But I think, at least for myself, I think I you know it took me a while to figure that out. So that's yeah. kind of I think it's remarkable that that's the answer at that young of an age that they figured it out that that hey I need a purpose. Yeah, I mean just think about that. Uh, most people now I don't know what the percentage is on this, but a lot of people. Probably, I'll just take a swag, let's say a third or more. Uh, they go to high school, they get out of high school, they go to college, and then for the first two years, they don't really know what they want to do with their lives. And uh, I know that was pretty much where I was, even though uh, I did my college as I was in the military. But this brings up an important point. Proverbs, and that's where uh, I want to take us. I want to take us to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, if you don't know that scripture, it's it's one that every Christian should memorize. 
But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path, so He will make your path straight. And what a better way to know what you need to do in life. What, what better way to find out, hey, how can you navigate through life than to come to the root of all knowledge, uh, which is God himself. Navigate your way through life. God's way requires, uh, as I'm going to argue, that you know God. And, you know, if you just stop for a second, there's many ways people say to God. Uh, as the way I read my Bible, and because I'm a Christian, uh, there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Christ Jesus, our Savior. And so that's really at the the foundational level. Um, and if you go back for a second in Proverbs, Proverbs begins really as a uh, uh, autobiographical account, if you will, of Solomon. Solomon, you know, was the wisest man uh, that lived. Uh, God blessed him with wisdom. He asked for it. Uh, and he also gave him many other things, but as wise as he was, he was one of the more foolish men in the Bible because if you know, if you're a student of the Word of God, uh, his heart was corrupted and led astray by these many women that he married. Uh, we had, he had, uh, uh, I think, uh, 300 wives and 700 concubines. I mean, that's, that's going to leave a mark. Uh, the guy had a problem with sex. That's a handful. Yeah, that's a handful. But uh, my argument here is they led his heart astray. That's why he says, and uh, I think one of the, uh, probably a, a part of a, a, a sub-thesis of Proverbs itself is Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And so... Uh, Basically, what he's doing in Proverbs is it's an autobiographical account. He says, look, don't go there. Don't do this. Don't do what I did. And here's how it starts. Proverbs uh, 1.7, and I would say this is the thesis of the book of Proverbs, and that is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. wisdom. And it also says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, but uh, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so the fear of the Lord is really the thesis. Knowing what the fear of the Lord is, you could say uh, the fear of the Lord is a holy fear. It's a holy reverence of God. It's a, a knowledge that there is a God, that he is the creator, that we are the creature, and that uh, you could say, as the, pro, the uh, Puritans had said, uh, defining the fear of the Lord, and that is living in the conscious presence of God, knowing this, that there's a God that his eyes are uh, looking upon all your deeds, all your thoughts, your words, your deeds, and, and that certainly is going to uh, affect the way you think and speak and act and live. Uh, and so just putting all this in context, when it comes to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is really uh, God's way of saying, hey, my adopted sons and daughters, uh, this is how... I want you to find your way, which is, in one sense, God's plan and purpose for your life. How do you find God's plan and purpose for your life? Is that a, a pretty good question? That's a really good question, I think. Most people, as we saw in the college students, are trying to figure that out and, and uh, you know, see uh, in various ways. 
And people go through, uh, they try various ways to figure out what their life's all about. Uh, they make a lot of uh, mistakes along the way. They make a lot of, uh, may go through different career choices and find out those aren't it. Uh, and there's a lot of pain, a lot of money, a lot of time invested in trying to find their way. And what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, this is how you do it. Yeah, you see that. I think you see that especially a lot today. I mean, uh, it's always been around, though. But people find their identity in a uh, in a job, right? What do you do? That's who people think they are. Um, if you're a welder, that's who you are. You're a welder. And, and there's some truth to that. I mean, I got that. Um, but there's, we're much more complicated than that. You know, we're, it's not about what you drive, where you work, uh, how many tattoos you got on you. Um, it seems like a lot of people spend a lot of amount, a lot of their time going from like one thing to another, trying to find that thing that, that identifies them. I don't know. Do you see that? I see that, especially today. I mean, um, oh, yeah. people have you know, colored hair and just, it's yeah. like, it's just like everyone's trying to be, they don't know who they are. They have no, they have out. no clue. And mm-hmm. it's in, in, in the past, at least when you and I were younger, I don't think we saw as much of that. But today it seems like people are really working um, overtime trying to figure out um, their identity and what's it all about. And it just it's just sort of evident just kind of watching people. Yeah, and uh, to segue on that note, most people, uh, and I mean intelligent folks, uh, looking at, uh, let's just pick on philosophers for a second. And uh, uh, they want to have uh, ultimate answers to why the universe is what it is and why things are the way they are, uh, but they go beyond Scripture to find the answer. And there's the problem. And, and, and uh, you know, just uh, uh, in a, you know, this is just the, the ground level of this whole argument <clears throat> we're making is, uh, that I will be making, is the Bible is not just some other book. It's not just some other book. The, the Enlightenment, which was really a spiritual darkness, I uh, said that the Bible is just another book amongst other books. And, and you know, man is measure. Man is the center of, of really all things. And, and so the Bible, they just relegated to just another book. What's special about it? The special thing about the Bible. I mean, Bible, what, what, why is it the book? Yeah. So it is the special revelation of the covenant God, right? It is uh, the revelation of who God is and what he does. He demands of us. So the Bible teaches us everything uh, we are to believe about God and his duty that he requires of us. And so it's, the, it's a progressive revelation of God to his covenant people. And I define covenant people as those uh, in the Old Testament and Israel and those uh, believers in Christ who are now uh, included into the one holy people of God. So Christians in the Old Testament, uh, the people of Israel. Uh, and so that's what the Bible is. The Bible speaks about everything about God and also where, the, where this future is going, what, what the end looks like, the new heavens, the new earth, and how to have a relationship with God, how to be obedient, uh, how to live a prosperous life uh, that's holy and full of joy and all those things. So the Bible has, uh, in Proverbs, we have, really, this is God's how-to book. Well, we are going to, we're, we're, you know, we use... That's our foundation. I mean, the Bible yeah. obviously is the foundation. But I guess from a layperson's point of view, which would be me, um, the thing that impressed me the most about about the Bible, 
Um, I just I just decided to read it one day from cover to cover like a novel. I mean, I, that's probably not the way to read a Bible, but it's the way I did it. Um, I think it's a great way to do it. Genesis. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know any other way to do it. So uh, I just started at the beginning and and it started. Uh, and every day, just wrote a little bit. You know, read a little bit. And Mark, 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 where I was at, contemplated it. And the next day, picked it up and do the same thing. But you know, I got through it and I've read it uh, several times. But I, I think what struck uh, struck me was the amount of prophecy, mm-hmm. as opposed to other. You know, because you get this argument like, well, what about the Quran? Or what about this? And what about that? And I think what what really um, amazed me about the Bible was just the amount of prophecy. The fulfilled prophecy. The fulfilled yeah, prophecy. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you're a, I'm not a mathematician, but I like math. And if, if you know, if you were to look at this thing mathematically, uh, the chances of somebody fulfilling all the prophecy in there um, is astronomical. Yeah. So I mean that alone, just being you know, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever written the book. I don't know a mathematician looks at the Bible, but, um, and that and just the amount of authors, the amount of time, yeah, and the coherency of the message. Um, it's like everybody's saying the same thing, regardless of the hundreds of years separate uh, separation between them, and it all fits very nicely together when you. And I don't know if you get that appreciation, at least I didn't, until I read the entire Bible. Yeah. And that's where I was like, wow, you know, it's 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 really just a story. It's a it's a it's a history book of us. It's our history and our relationship with God. And um a lot of lessons in there. And and, and so to me it's it is a very uh, I've read a lot of books, like a lot of people have. But to me, it's certainly the most impressive book I've ever read. Absolutely, and uh, it's the only book that is alive, uh, as the Bible actually testifies about itself. Uh, Hebrews 4, uh, 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so the Bible is like a sword, uh, it's active. It has. It's two-edged. It uh, it speaks life. It also speaks death. There's many ways that you can understand that. But uh, the Bible also goes to the heart of every issue. It cuts to the quick. It, it divides, if you will, uh, and says who's on the Lord's side. Uh, not only that, but in Second uh, Timothy uh, three, uh, verse sixteen, it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction and righteousness. Uh, and here's the purpose: so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, and so that's all Scripture. That's the whole counsel of God, Genesis to Revelation. As a Protestant, uh, we, you know, we believe there's 66 books of the canon, uh, and then there's the apocryphal books, uh, such as Tobit and Bell and the Dragon and the Maccabees and we believe those are useful. They are uh, in yeah. some ways, but uh, not canon. So I, uh, I'm drawing a line there uh, a little bit, not to uh, relegate my Catholic brothers who are listening, but uh, just to kind of show you where I'm at. But yeah, the Bible is is the most important book that we have, and it is uh, it's worthy of our time. It, to is, read. it, it absolutely is. And the other thing I want to um, bring up is. <clears throat> More so today, I think, than in, in any time that I can remember. 
when you're having conversations with folks about current events, about politics, about whatever, more and more um, I hear the comment, um, it's good versus evil. I don't, I don't hear too much uh, Republican versus Democrat, this versus that, left versus right. I hear a lot of, this is a time of good versus evil. Yeah. And I think a lot of people um, feel that way. Otherwise, they wouldn't be saying that. And it's not like, um, even, this, even people yeah, are hard. Situations have uh, happened that have caused us to see. No, it's, it's, uh, like, it's, it's like people are, are sort of uh, distancing themselves, even from their own party, and looking at, just because you have an R besides your name doesn't really mean anything. They're really starting to look at um, their positions and what they're advocating. And things today, a lot of people are looking at things in through the through the lens of good versus evil. But would you agree? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say, well, for one, I would just say that uh, Trump. One of the things he did is unmask uh, the deep state, and uh, you know we always knew there was some lefty leaning uh, media. But uh, that really just highlighted it and showed it for really what it was. Uh, and I think one of the things, just kind of be- beginning from that, and it began before that, of course, but at least in my own consciousness, uh, speaking from my perspective, uh, people are just kind of, uh, instead of uh, you know left and right, they're more like, okay, what's right and what's wrong? Yeah. What's just? What's unjust? And uh, people, I think you're starting to see America divide more on those lines uh, bipartisanly, just kind of like, hey, look, this is right and that ain't. Yep. And that's really what separate. I think that's good. That's a very good thing. And that's really what the Word of God does is it cuts to the heart of the matter. It says, okay, you're a Democrat or Republican. Uh, that's great. There's, who yeah, cares? Who cares? Uh, what do you know that's right? Do you know, yeah. the, you know what the truth is? Right. And uh, we've said this a bunch, but it's, I think it's worthy of stating here is truth uh, in the uh, as the Bible says, is the word in Greek is aletheia. It just means uncovered. It just means it's it's reality as God sees it. It's not uh, a spin. It is the the, the way things are. Yeah. When before you try to cover it up and spin it, and 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 the, the other thing is this: is truth is objective. It's eternal. It stands above us. It doesn't change. It's regardless of your sexual persuasion. Your political leanings, truth is truth. It's it, truth was true two thousand years ago. It will be true today. It's true tomorrow. It's always true. Well, well, Paul, what do you say about these folks? And you you see them a lot. Um, well, there's extremism on both ends, and can't everyone just sort of find some middle ground and kind of get along, and we can, you know, work across the aisle and. And, and sort of just everybody sort of compromise and find this this nice little middle ground that we can all just, you know, be happy in. And to me, I'm not sure if that exists because I, I just think of, you know, the days of Noah. I mean, bottom line, you're either on the ark or you weren't. And so even if you're one of these guys out there in the crowd and you're just kind of wanting to get along and you think Noah's kind of a crazy dude and, you know, you know, getting on the boat and everything's kind of seems extreme, you know, and of course you got the rabble rousers out there complaining, but you're in the crowd 
And you're just you're you're saying, hey, come on, man, can't we just kind of find some middle ground here? I mean, is is the arc really necessary? Can't we just maybe like do something else? I I think that argument is almost like that. It's like, dude, you're going to end up outside the boat, and that's kind of like where we're at today. I mean, there's really when you talk about scripture being a a, a, a sword, that's kind of where we're at here. I mean, it's it's. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but I mean, you're either on that side or this side. You're either in the arc or you're not. I mean, am I, yeah, I, am I wrong here? That's right. I think, uh, yeah, you're either on the Lord's side or you're not. You're either right or you're not. Uh, just a few things that uh, uh, would course into my brain. The first thing is there was recently uh, a movie made about Noah's Ark, right? <laughs> I think you had uh, Russell Crowe in it. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of crazy. It was. Many things that were really unbiblical about it. One of the big ones, though, was people fighting to get on the ark. And, you know, that didn't happen. Right. There were eight souls that got on the ark along with the animals that God called there. And, but the big thing is this. Uh, people ridiculed yep. Noah. Uh, First Peter says he was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching. We're talking, yeah. you know, probably he was, he was a couple pleading. hundred years. Right. Yeah. He was pleading. They laughed yeah. their butts off as he was building this ark on dry land, this That's giant right. boat on dry land. And they thought it was the dumbest thing they ever seen. Yeah. And they ridiculed him, and he was a preacher of righteousness. And he says, hey, look, if you don't, you know, you know, the idea was, you know, I want to put words in his mouth, but a preacher of righteousness would say something like, look, if you want to live, you get on the ark. But there were he no takers. He wasn't keeping people off of it. Yeah. They weren't interested in getting on so it. So they weren't interested in getting yeah. on. God sealed them. He sealed the door. Right. And, uh, you know, and that was, uh, there's so much you could say about it. But the other thing was uh, about the ark is uh, oftentimes we say we couldn't stand the smell that's in the ark if it wasn't for the flood that was outside of it. And the destructions outside of it. And so that just reminds us that, look, you have to be a part of the people of God. And you're going to smell some, some stuff now and then. You're going to bu- bump into some rhinoceroses and elephants, and, and, and you're not going to be happy about it. You know, whatever level of the ark you're on, okay? But the idea is, yeah, you've got to get on the ark. And, and of course, the ark is a fitting, uh, it was literal, but now it's fitting about uh, you know, God's people, being a part of the community of faith. And uh, you know you have to uh, you have to open your life to them and to others and be humble uh, and learn and uh, so it presupposes a lot of important things. But yeah, I think the other thing is this: look at the party's platform. I would say, look at the party's platform. Go to the let's just pick on the Democratic Party for a second, okay? Because that's uh, where we're going. But look at the party's platform. It stands for things, and those things they stand for. Uh, can you rectify those, or they stand in harmony with the Word of God? And I would say, no, they don't. Uh, and, and I'll just, look, we're that type of uh, podcast, so let's just call a spade a spade. Let's have to talk about gay marriage. Now, gay marriage is uh, part of the platform uh, of the Democratic Party. So I'm not a hater. I'm just saying that the Word of God condemns that activity. It doesn't condemn the person. It condemns the sin, and it calls that uh, homosexuality a sin. Uh, not only that, but abortion. Uh, abortion is part of the Democratic Party's platform. Uh, the Bible calls that a sin. It's an abominable sin. In fact, uh, it was a Canaanite practice uh, whereby uh, the Moabites and others would uh, sacrifice their children to these false gods, to demons, uh, in order that they thought they could get some uh, 
kickbacks for like a good life and stuff like that, which, uh, so you can see the correlation today. Hey, if I abort my child and uh, for whatever reason you have, you think you have a better life. You can follow your career, this, that, and the other. Now, there's nothing new about uh, infanticide and and abortion, is there, Paul? I mean, haven't these things been around forever? Yeah, this is uh, really uh, expedience. This is a sin of expedience. Uh, You have people, um, and look, I I don't want to say that uh, there's no uh, grace for that. You know, if if you've taken part in it as a man, if you've uh, just kind of turned a blind eye to that or asked... uh, uh, your girlfriend or spouse to do that. There's forgiveness for that. If you're a woman, you've taken part of that. There's forgiveness for well, thank that. Well, good, thank goodness there's forgiveness for, for all the crazy stuff we do. Um, but this is... Um, I'm just saying, look at the party's platform and then vote your conscience. And, and here's my only point. Yeah. If you look at the party's platform and it doesn't line up with the word of God, then why are you voting that way? Because I would say you're not voting your conscience. Now you're voting in some other for some other reason. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further, and I'm gonna say um, you better look at the individuals, um, because there's plenty of uh, Republicans out there that uh, talk a good line. Yeah. They talk a good line, uh, but the wheeling and dealing up in the swamp, yeah. uh, the kickbacks, expedience. Yeah. Um, you know these people are not your friends. They just they're just getting they're getting elected. You know, yeah. listen. If I Compromise. was if I was a crook and I was in a graft, I, I'm I'm just gonna let you know I'm heading to Washington D.C. Okay, yeah. that's where I'm going. That's where the money's at. Yeah. Um. Anyone who's ever uh, been around the nation's capital knows, um, it's it's uh, very affluent. Okay, and there's yeah. a reason why um, there's multi uh, an abundance of multi million dollar homes all around that place. Okay, yeah. and none of them are producing anything. Okay. Uh, I don't know of any big factories up around Washington, D.C., okay? But uh, all the tax dollars are flowing into that place, and people are living very, very well. Mm. So you do have to look at individuals. You have to figure out. uh, You have to look into their conscience. You have to figure out what kind of people they are and and whether or not they're doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on that note, just springboard into this. Uh, So we're not to be, uh, you know, false advertising here. So navigating your way through life, God's way. So we're talking about that in this in this uh, context. There's really two ways. Uh, Proverbs tells us there's two ways. There's uh, one is called the way of folly, and then one is called the way of wisdom, right? And it defines and qualifies what that wisdom is. Uh, and you know, if you go through, we had time we could see all this, but uh, just one, just kind of uh, going to Proverbs two ten, uh, it says that uh, the wisdom of God is spiritual. It enters your heart. And so the idea is wisdom is not just an accumulation of, of facts. I know some things. Uh, the wisdom uh, of Proverbs and the wisdom of also Job and Ecclesiastes and Psalms, uh, those other uh, books, and you add in uh, Psalm, uh, Song of Solomon, then you get the five books of Hebrew poetry. Wisdom is uh, practical application of knowledge, but it's, it's, it's done so... Uh, with the knowledge that there is a God and that you are, you're thinking and speaking and acting in ways uh, that are, that are right. Meditating. Meditating, uh, of course. Praying. Praying. Uh, being, Everything. Being, Every o- activity. being open to um, 
your conscience and what's what he's laying on your conscience and what he's that's exactly, trying to sort of direct you to yeah. right decisions to make. Yeah, that's exactly where Proverbs three five and six takes us. So, just kind of a big thirty six thousand foot view. Uh, just imagine this, if you will, in your mind's eye. You have two ways. You have the way of Lady Folly, and this comes to a head in Proverbs 9. Lady Folly calls simpletons to their deaths. And, and, and she's uh, alluring you as an ox that goes to its own slaughter, really. And then you have uh, the way of wisdom, uh, which is the way of the saint, the way, uh, really, as Proverbs would count, uh, the way of the sage, this is someone who knows God, who wants to glorify God in his actions and every, in every activity of life. Uh, the word for way is derik in the Hebrew. This is, I'm bringing this up. This is important. Uh, the way, so the whole point is you're only on one of two ways. There's not a third option for the Bill Clintons out there. You can't sit on the fence. You're either on the way of wisdom, as qualified by Scripture, which is you know, knowing God, or you're on the way of folly, uh, now, uh, added to this, uh, you have uh, in Proverbs 2, and it mentions this tw- uh, 12 times, uh, is also path. Okay, so I'm going somewhere with this, but it's hanging there with me as I slow down and go into some word studies. Path uh, in the Hebrew is Iraq, uh, not Iraq, but Iraq with an A. Uh, path is a manner of living, a way of living your life, a way of uh, you know, behavior, thinking, uh, ethics, all those things. So you have a way. There's, there's one way you're on. So you can be on the way of design, the way to heaven, the way of God. But then individually, you have a different path. You may be a doctor. You may be a plumber. You may be a soldier. Uh, you may live a long life, a short life. Uh, you may live in China or, uh, God help you, or you may live in the United States, the greatest nation on the on the, on the planet, uh, you the idea is you have different ways to follow in that path, and so just one other illustration that maybe will help us understand that is uh, Psalm forty six says uh, that there is a river, so you have one river like a stream of uh, you know God's spirit, and this and uh, so there's a river, and the streams of which make glad the city of God. So you have different streams of that one. River, and then you have different paths on that one way. I hope that makes sense. Well, as a, as a military guy, I'm kind of just look, I'm just listening to you, and uh, I'm I don't know, I'm just I'm thinking about land navigation. Yeah. Um. So when when you're talking about der- uh, Derek or way, yeah, I'm I'm thinking of it as a point, a place yeah. I'm trying to get to. You're going to the and, point in the woods. Yeah. And then when you when you talk about uh, a rock or path, I'm thinking of of a route. Yeah. And, and my, my, my route selection and how I'm going to try to get there. I like where your brain is. That's exactly, I didn't, I wasn't going there, but that's a, it's a, an apt illustration nonetheless. Uh, so let me just get into this, okay? Because uh, I'm just chomping at the bit. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, now, I want us to look at this by three steps and a promise. Okay, three steps to finding your way or three steps to hear from God, okay? So uh, the first step Trust in the Lord with all your heart, okay? So uh, if you understand uh, what we've been talking about is uh, trust, and this presupposes that you know God, okay, that you have uh, seen, uh, your, you've, you see your sin, you own it, and then you repent and believe, right? 
you repent and you believe in the Christ, the one that God has sent uh, to make atonement for your sin. So trust, the word for trust, uh, I'm going to throw some more Hebrew at you. The one, the word is uh, batak, and it means to rest your weight on something. So I have an illustration here for you. This is, and uh, this is from a sermon I preached once. So if it sounds sermonic, it is because it's a sermon. Uh, but uh, one of my favorite characters uh, in church history is a man named John Patton, P-A-T-O-N. Uh, he was a Scottish missionary to the New Hebrides, which is in the Pacific, so it's near Fiji. Uh, he went out there. God called him to go. Uh, he brought his family. Uh, on a side note, his family all died, right? Well, now he's translating the Bible into that language, and I forgot the name of the, the uh, language they spoke there. But one day he was trying to find uh, you know, an important word, faith. He was trying to find that word faith. Uh, as he was doing that, in his uh, hut, uh, one of the uh, uh, you know, principal men in the, the village, he ran to his, uh, his hut, and he plopped down in a chair that John Patton had fashioned. And the man said, it feels so good to rest all my weight in this chair. And instantly John Patton had the, uh, the definition he needed, the word he needed for faith, because they didn't have a word for faith in that language. And so he says, faith is resting your whole weight on God. And, of course, faith is, is that. Uh, it's also, uh, you know, a relational response to the promises of God. But it's resting all of your weight on God. And so that meaning helped bring a whole civilization to the feet of Christ. So trust. So trust, uh, resting all of your weight on the Lord. And so this is the Old Testament's way of describing the life of faith. Uh, trusting in the Lord means to rest your entire weight on Him. Uh, in the, uh, the Greek transliteration of the uh, Hebrew, the Septuagint, which is, uh, of course, the, uh, the Old Testament in Greek, and it has a Latin title, just to confuse you a little bit more. Anyway, the Septuagint, if you didn't know, uh, man, we're, gonna, we're going a little bit deep here, but the Septuagint was the King James Version of the Apostles, if you want to know. They didn't have uh, you know, the Bible in Hebrew coming out of the exile. They didn't, not a lot of people read Hebrew. And so uh, the Septuagint, as we know from history, uh, church tradition was uh, transliterated from the Hebrew in 250 B.C. in Alexandria by 70 scholars, just to go further afield. Uh, but in the Septuagint, it, it literally reads this, be yielding with your whole heart upon God. So you yield and you rest. And so the whole point is, what does that say about being self-reliant? It says, don't do it. Self-reliance is not good. Uh, now, we, here's a, this is where we kind of split hairs here, self-confidence and self-reliance. Now, because yeah. now well, I'm glad you brought that up because you do have these folks that sometimes you run into them where it's just like, um, you know, they're just going to sit there and do nothing. Yeah. Because, you know, it's going to it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's oh. be provided. And yeah. it's, it's not, that's not really what, what, what that means. Right. I mean, uh, now, uh, looking at the whole counsel of God, God, it, uh, God, it, God challenges you uh, to step out in faith. I mean, in fact, the, uh, Christ says this to his apostles, and they say, increase our faith. And he says, step out in faith. Your faith increases as you step out, as you venture out, as you yeah. challenge, you know, as you say, hey, let's, let's put our faith into action. And so I say it more like this, uh, like uh, 
The well, Puritans would say, trust in the Lord, keep your powder dry, right? Uh, you know, venture out, right? And uh, and so, uh, but as you do that, you don't want to be self. You don't. You want to be self confident. You want to know what you can do with your life and how you know your skills. You want to do that, but not self reliant. Uh, so there's there's a there's a fine line there. Yeah, David. I mean, David comes to mind. I mean, um, he went out and faced Goliath, um, and he had faith that that God was going to direct the stone. Yeah. Um, but he also understood his own capabilities. Yes, very, very good. Now, uh, in a uh, parallel, verse 7, just to jump down there if you're following this in your Bible, uh, in a uh, what's called a, a parallel couplet, verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. So there, there's the absolute, absolute antithesis of it. Uh, being wise in your own eyes is self-confidence just pushed to the level that now you're self-reliant. I, I got this. I've arrived. Yeah. I have it all figured out. I don't need... Uh, to call on an omniscient God yeah, who in. knows everything uh, from beginning to end and doesn't have to strain to figure it out. I, I don't need that. I don't need that help. Uh, and so it's, it says, you know, don't do that. Right. You know, trust in, in, uh, in the Lord with all your heart. And here's the other thing. Uh, you know, Jeremiah 17.9 famously says, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Uh, and the question uh, is asked, and the rhetorical question is, who can understand it? And understand it, and the answer is God can. The, the whole point is this, don't trust your heart. You, you hear that. Trust your heart, follow your heart. That's bad counsel. Uh, Proverbs says that's bad counsel, right? Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, uh, you have to know that, uh, you know, we are human. Yeah. And we have a long history of kind of doing some dastardly things. Because we look out for our own interests, our own self-interest is not, you know, our ways are not his ways. Yeah. Um, and we try to do, uh, we try to be good sons and daughters, and we try to follow our father's counsel and, and, and his rules and live the life according to the way we're supposed to, but we fall short. Yeah, the absolutely. We fall short, and we don't have omniscience. Okay, so if we act like we got it all figured out, we don't need God's omnip- omniscience, then uh, then we're going to be one of these fools described. Uh, and and on that note, there's really three fools in Proverbs. And if we had time, we could go for like uh, 24 hours in a Bible study. We'd see there's really three types of fools. Uh, just quickly, you find those in uh, Proverbs 1.22. It says, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. In the Hebrew, there's really three fools hidden in that one verse. Simpletons uh, is the word uh, uh, kevel, and that just means somebody who's just uh, they're just a, low, a dullard. Low, yeah, low IQ. Yeah, low IQ. And then you got a scoffer. This is somebody more like Richard Dawkins. I'm gonna pick on him for a second. You know, he's got it all figured out. He scoffs. He scorns. Uh, this is your uh, Kessel, and then you have the fool that just hates knowledge. This is your Nabal, you know, Nabal and the, the Word of God. Uh, you know, uh, this is just someone who is just uh, uh, just stubborn. So you've got a, uh, you got a dummy, you got a scoffer, and you got a, uh, you know, a stubborn, uh, like a mule type person. Right. Uh, and, and so if you, if you presume to have it all figured out, then you're going to be one of, you're going to fall in one of these categories this proverb gives you. Uh, but just looking along here, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own. Lean not on your own understanding. The Bible actually says, "Curses a man who trusts in man and makes 
flesh is strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. And so you don't trust your feelings. You don't trust your heart. Think about this. Uh, Solomon followed his heart. Uh, he followed his little head, too, I would say. He had, he had a problem with sex. And that, he ended up uh, putting idols in the same temple that he dedicated to Yahweh. I mean, think about that. Look how far following his heart took him to the point where it has now just follow that trajectory. Yeah, we, uh, you know, your heart is an actual idol factory. You can worship. And here, you know, as my Indian friends have said, hey, we have in India, we have stone. We have idols of stone. Here you have idols in your heart. And we do. We make idols. You can, you know, shave your God's face in the morning or powder your God's face. You can make gods of pretty much anything. I hope you get that. But the other thing is this. Uh, it's all your heart. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is a quantitative aspect to the trust. It's all of it, not just some of it. And agreeably, as we grow in grace and knowledge of God, we, we mature as saints, and we, uh, we trust God incrementally a little bit more, a little bit more as we go around the racetrack of life. You know, as we go down this path, we go, hey, I've, I've done this before, and now I know I can trust God a little bit more. And I think that is absolutely true. But the challenge is rest all your weight on the Lord. And then the second, here's the second. So the first step is that, trust in the Lord. The second one is don't rely on your own understanding. And uh, isn't that a challenge? I mean, I have, I have ways I like to do things. So this, this actually challenges me. It I mean, I know you, there's a way that seems right to me. Yeah, right. It, it, it's uh, most people... I think that takes a little bit of training because the vulnerability of it uh, scares people. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there like, uh, you know, uh, I think it should be done this way, but maybe I don't, maybe I'm making a bad decision. Yes. And uh, the idea is we, you know, we could rely on our own thimble full of wisdom and not uh, we don't care to perhaps say this is, this actually calls us to be a little humble here uh, in the multitude of counselors is wisdom as Proverbs says. So we maybe we just want to do it our own way. We don't want to kind of pull uh, call on our assets of somebody on our team because we're afraid of looking like not a strong leader. When in reality, a strong leader uses all his assets and says, hey, you know, that's a great idea, and I didn't come up with it, and that's okay. So I have a, a great illustration here. It comes from, uh, you know, I don't like communism. I hope that you don't either. But uh, communism is, is an evil uh, it's a philosophy that uh, of darkness. It doesn't work. Uh, from each according to his ability, uh, to each according to his need, does not work. Communism is uh, atheistic. It calls for the abolition of uh, religion, all religions. Yeah, that's why uh, communism. And marriage. That's why communism doesn't allow religion. The yeah. only religion allowed is the state. Yeah, and they have this. Of course, I'm going off on a little tangent here, but yeah. you know, communism has this utopian society, and then. You know, they have the scaffolding hey, of listen. those who are in charge. And once you achieve it, then you just, we always, they're going to give back yeah, this we, power. we always joke, you know, it briefs yeah. well. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's great on a PowerPoint, you know, <clears throat> and, and that's why so many young people are mesmerized by it. You know, it just sounds so uh, social justice-y, you know. Yeah. It, uh, or just call it a socialism. Just, yeah, we just yeah. love the equity of it all. You know, just everybody's just the same and equal and, you know, we just love one another and, Hey, listen, uh, someone's got to manage y'all. That's the way it works. You know, y'all are going to be managed. 
Yeah, and once uh, get you, you know, on the get you on the plantation, but trust me, you're not going to be in the big White House. Yeah. So my illustration comes from uh, Mao. So Mao, of course, you know he was the uh, the chairman of China. He defeated Chiang Kai Shek, unfortunately, uh, and then he had this great idea in 1958. He wanted to industrialize the agrarian nation of China at the time. So he had this idea called the Great the Great Leap Forward. It was a five year plan. Perhaps you've heard of it. It was really the Great Famine That's instead right. of the Great Leap Forward. It was a great leap into darkness. It's always uh, the five-year plan, isn't it? Yeah, the five-year plan. Well, the idea is he relied on his own understanding. What he did is uh, they abolished uh, private ownership. Uh, they, they, this is what communists do. Uh, they collectivize everything. Uh, you know, no, no, you can't buy and sell your own stuff. You're going to do it state-owned. And so what they did is some uh, 750 million peasant farmers, they forced onto 25,000 state-owned communes. Right. Uh, and so you can see the train wreck coming here. Uh, what this amounted to was about 30%, something like that, of their fields remained active, while the other 70% uh, were going to switch and become factories. So you had these peasant farmers who were going to turn into industrialized factory workers overnight. Yeah, it looked good on the PowerPoint. It, yeah, this briefed really well. And I think you had a lot of yes men in that room when Mao had this idea. Uh, what happened, uh, long story short, is they identified these four pests. Uh, they, one of them was a sparrow, a Eurasian sparrow, and they decided to declare, to declare war on the sparrow because it would eat too much of the crops. Uh, and when they did, you know, they actually annihilated the sparrow population of China. And then uh, in 1959, in the winter, uh, when the locust came, it had no predator. And, of course, the locust just went hog wild, yeah. and uh, they devastated uh, those 30% uh, you know, left the remaining fields. And so what happened was about 50 million people died. Five zero million. I mean, that's just a staggering... My brain's trying to take it in. Yeah, it's, but that, it's, that's the... That's, it's absolutely amazing. But we see the same sort of things happening on a much um, smaller scale. Yeah, this scale. is an extreme That's example. the extreme example. Yeah. But, I mean, we, you know, we got the same kind of meddling going on in our own country where you got, you know, the bright idea fairies out... Hey, listen, I don't mean, I don't even have to go very far just, just to go into energy. I yeah. mean, look at some of the uh, buffoonery that we've, that we've, uh, decisions we've made is regard, uh, regarding to energy. Um, I mean, I, I, I love renewables. Everyone does. But, uh, you know, a better name is uh, unreliable. Yeah. The unreliables. And so you have a lot of people now around the world that are suffering because of these great, you know, the, the great, the good idea fairy. Mm. Because you know it, the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow. There's peak periods. You know you got a little thing called winter. I mean we can go on and on. So, um, again, when man sometimes gets in there and thinks that they know better, you know these are the types of things that that we suffer from. We always suffer from the consequences of our own bright ideas, don't we? We do. We do. So it brings up another point, uh, and that is. Um, like the Apostle Paul. Give a, a good example here, right? So you have, those of us who know our Bibles, uh, in Acts, the Apostle Paul, in Acts 16, he has this idea of uh, venturing into, uh, further into modern Turkey. Back then it was called Asia, the province, the Roman province of Asia, and a particular place called Bithynia. But as he was going to go, uh, you know, the Spirit checked him and said, you're not going to go there, and actually gave him a dream to go into Macedonia, and that was good for all of us Europeans. 
because uh, then the gospel came to Europe. Uh, and and uh, so the whole point is, you know, Paul had an idea to do that, but then he was checked and then uh, adjusted his plan. And so there's a, there's a, the whole point is there a right, there's a right means, uh, excuse me, the right use of our own knowledge, but that needs to be checked uh, and then corrected. And so uh, you have this kind of, we talked about this a little bit before about self-confidence and self-reliance, but here's, Proverbs kind of puts it this way. Uh, it, it actually says there's a legitimate using of our understanding uh, that's not chargeable with leaning on our own understanding, okay? So God wants us to actually use your brain. Don't check your brain at the door of the church. Use your brain, but then, uh, you know, bounce it off what, what, are, what the Word of God says and the leading of uh, the Spirit. For example, Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So in other words, you can do everything in your, in your knowledge and your, in your skill to get the horse ready, to saddle it up, to get your weapons ready, right? Uh, you know, Oliver Cromwell, I mentioned that earlier, he, he said it this way, trust in the Lord and keep your powder dry. So don't lean on your own understanding. Uh, that expression does not relieve us from the responsibility uh, to do what's in our power to do and just be ready to kind of change your plan uh, if you get a check. That's the idea uh, from Scripture, from sound, reason, those things like that. And then, so there's the first two steps. Uh, and then uh, then there's the third. In all your ways, acknowledge him, right? Uh, and so this is uh, just increasingly, just kind of think of this concentric circle. Now it's just kind of broadening a little bit. Uh, so in all of your ways. So here's the, uh, you're on, uh, you're on your path, you're, you're, you know, a path of life. Uh, in every aspect of life, you acknowledge uh, that God is, uh, you know, you acknowledge his sovereignty. You acknowledge his authority in all aspects of your life. That could be at work. Maybe that's a challenge. Maybe you're just kind of hiding out and uh, you don't want people to know your faith. That could be a challenge there. But the, the word there is acknowledge as uh, the word yada, you may, there's another Hebrew word, uh, is actually you, you know God. This is a relational knowledge. Friend? Uh, I, no. I could say, you could say friend because the Bible does say you could, you're a friend of God. That's true. I've, I mean, I've heard yada before. I've heard it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out. Remember. But, uh, you know, yada is actually used for Abraham, you know, Adam knew his wife. The uh, word is yada. So very, it's very close. It's very him. close. Yeah. So that's the idea. But, you know, it doesn't, when it's speaking of God, it means of acknowledgement. Uh, so maybe uh, in light of Deuteronomy 12, uh, maybe this makes more sense. Uh, and all your ways acknowledge him. You know, Deuteronomy 12, um, I love to mention this in verse 5. Uh, it says to the people of God, hey, you're, you know, now that you're going to enter the promised land, okay, you're going to seek the place uh, that God's going to choose uh, to make his name remain. Now, of course, that's the temple. But the idea, look at the, think of the wording here. You shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses. So think about that. You're seeking something that God has already chosen, right? So just what does that mean in our lives? We're, we're uh, if you, I'll go crazy for a second. That old 80s movie, uh, Clash of the Titans, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Lawrence Olivier is playing Zeus and he says to Perseus, uh, find and fulfill your destiny. So it's like find 
your what, destiny. Yeah, what's already been okay. prescribed. To yeah, you. find, and, and I, I would submit to you, this is true. God has a plan and purpose for your life, and our challenge is to find it, to seek it, and then do it. Uh, and that's uh, really the challenge here is, uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So what does that really mean is also this, uh, you acknowledge him in all your ways, uh, uh, in every aspect. So there's no compartmentalization of your life. There's not like a, a sacred part of your life and then a secular part of your life. You know what I mean? Some some people, now I'll just use myself as an example. Sometimes I was a Sunday Christian, and then the rest of the week was for me, right? And then I would kind of just be a different guy. I don't think you were alone. <laughs> on Sunday or Wednesday you were night. In, you were in good company. But the challenge is, uh, you know, you're the same guy all the time. Yeah, I was in good company. Yeah, there's a lot of us like that. And, you know, we all do it. None of it. And if you say you're not, just just, just don't say that. Just you'll be lying to yourself. You'll be lying to God. Uh, but the idea is, uh, in increasing ways, we're going to seek after God's will in our lives and everything. In increasing ways. So we're going to find it. Uh, you know, perhaps Romans uh, twelve two says this too, is to... Uh, to seek out what is that good and perfect and pleasing will of God. So that means you're going to have to slow down sometimes and pray sometimes to say, and you should be praying always anyway, but to say, okay, should I buy this house? Should I buy this land? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? You know, those are, those are times where you need to slow down. You know, the Bible tells us, uh, if it tells us something, you're at no time to, you know, to not do it. And if the, the Bible forbids something, then at no time are you to do it. But then other things you need to pray about and slow down about and search it out, find what it is. That's And so this is a little harder, you know, uh, you know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And here's the promise. He will direct your path. He will make your path straight. Now, now earlier I was talking about this. You know, there's a derrick. This is the way. Direction. So we're on our direction, our course heading is the city of God. It's Zion, right? The new Jerusalem. But the path uh, is the way that God has already chosen for you. It, uh, it can make some deviations, uh, some attack points. Uh, you, you know, you parallel some roads. You know, my, and put it in another sense, you know, my path is not your path. You know, it's going to look differently. Absolutely. Uh, but God, here's the promise. God is going to direct your path. He will show you the right way. And every step. And, and think about this. Sometimes you have to slow down. You know, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's the same word, path. And so sometimes you got to slow down like a cell phone light. And just so you can see just enough in front of you so you don't go off the cliff. Yeah. I don't, other I don't, times you can run. I don't want to get off on another tangent. but uh, Tangents are fun. Christian Hickey comes to mind. Yes. We just had him on uh, episode 30, I believe. Yeah, and he's doing well. He's he's downrange, but uh, certainly uh, an interesting, an interesting uh, route. That, it is uh, that God has selected for him. Yeah, I mean uh, that's not my path. My path is not to uh, move my family uh, to Kiev and then uh, you know join the fight. Right. Uh, that's not my path. But see, but God has. I believe that that's His path that I God brought him on. I believe that, and it's just not mine. Now that's the whole point. It's going to look different. Uh, so we put this together. I want to just give some application here. I want to give you uh, an acronym that I think will help us remember this, okay? And I want to put it under this, uh, this title, Five Ways 
that God directs us. Okay, use the acronym PLANS, P-L-A-N-S. Okay, five ways that God directs us. And this is, now it comes, it starts with something concrete to something less concrete, something that's like black and white in the Word of God, and then less uh, black and white, okay? A little more gray, a little more nebulous, a little more uncertain, okay? So the first is plain teaching of Scripture. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is, you know, it doesn't deviate. This is like hard and fast. It's black and white. It says it, do it. It says don't do it, don't do it. And so when you need direction about something, and we used some earlier about uh, some particular sins, if it says, if it condemns it, don't do it. You're not going to bring the blessings of God. In fact, God has something better for you than that. You know, and, and on that note, I'm not, I don't want you to hear, misread, hear what I'm saying. Uh, you know, God uh, condemns sin. And so likewise, we hate the sin. We don't hate the sinner. Uh, so we, we love the sinner. We hate the sin. So just hear this the right way. I don't want you to come away from this hearing this like I'm some kind of hater, Pharisee. But the plain teaching of Scripture is it's, uh, it asks, are you teachable? Are you teachable? And do you believe that God's word is uh, holy and inerrant, perfect in all its parts, including science, right? Or is it just man's book? Is it just some other book? Now, if you believe that, then we need to pray for you. So that's plain teaching of Scripture. That is one. That is the first and principal way that God will direct your steps, and that will never steer you wrong. It's very concrete. The second, less concrete. Uh, is calling and uh, say if we're leadable, and that is the leading of the Spirit. You know, are you listening? Do you have a conscience that's uh, not calloused over by just doing things for years on your own way, uh, and now you don't hear uh, from God anymore? And so the leading of the Spirit is questioning, hey, do you have a sensitive conscience uh, to the voice of God. I've never heard God's audible voice, but God does speak to me in my soul and my conscience. And uh, that word conscience just means joint knowledge in Latin. It just means my, my knowledge of God speaking to me in my soul. And your soul is eternal. And God speaks to you right to your soul and leads you. And we talked about that. The Apostle Paul was led uh, by the Spirit and said he wanted to do one thing. And God said, no, I'm going to have you do something else. And so that's, uh, that's what you're to do. And then the A is, I needed an acronym here that worked, so bear with me. But the A is an accumulated godly wisdom of others. And so this, this presupposes that we're humble. This presupposes that we're actually uh, rubbing elbows with God's people. It's really important. If you, uh, there are to be no lone ranger Christians. You need, to, you need to have some brotherhood. You need to have some accountability. You need to get plugged in. Uh, so accumulated godly wisdom just says that we're asking others, hey, I've, I'm considering X, Y, Z. Uh, what do you think? Uh, can you pray about that? Can you, you know, can you offer me some godly counsel? Uh, you know, there's much wisdom in uh, many counselors. Uh, godly wisdom, anyway, that's the idea. There's the qualitative or quanti- a qualitative uh, uh, ad- uh, adjective to that is godly. And then uh, the end is no action. This reminds us that sometimes we're to wait. We're to just pause. Be you know, we take a knee, face yep. out, drink some water. 
Be patient. Yeah, do a uh, in his play, time, not ours. Yeah, do some you know, do some seals. Right. You know, stop, look, listen, smell, just kind of wait. Yeah. Could be a really long seals, right? right. <laughs> you know, some people think of Abraham. Yeah, uh, he had to wait twenty five years for Isaac. Now he got ahead of God, of course. Yeah. Him and Sarah, they had uh, you know Ishmael. They thought they could help God out with his plan, and that was not God's plan. They should have waited. And so this, this is uh, presupposing we're patient. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And so the, the Bible says over and over again, wait on the Lord. Blessed are those who wait on the Lord for that reason. Then the S is situations. Uh, God will speak to us sometimes in situations. And, and of course, this is not as concrete as uh, the plain teaching of Scripture, the leading of the Spirit, uh, godly wisdom of others. Uh, but, you know, I have, uh, and again, I needed an acronym, all right? <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think it's accurate because, I mean, even, again, I, mean, I can't help but think of Christian Hickey, but he certainly was placed into various situations that were not aware to him until later the relevance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you later on you go, oh, that's why. Yeah, that's why. That Romans 8.28 moment. Uh, you know, I believe I was spoken to by God when I was shot through the neck. I was shot in the throat on my birthday in 2006. Uh, we were clearing a building in Abu Ghraib. Uh, I was with the unit. And I believe God was uh, speaking to me in that way. Hey, I preserved your life for a reason. Not so you can do 30 years and... Uh, you know, in the army, but to get out now and to go be a minister. And, uh, you know, and I did. Uh, but that, uh, I believe there's other situations where we can pause and say, what are you saying here? What does this mean? Are you speaking to me? Are you trying to get my attention? Uh, and of course, this is going to presuppose that we can apply wisdom. We can apply, um, uh, we can, you know, go to the word, uh, go to the word and also pray and get direction. So, my friends, I hope that you will uh, you will do that. You will trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So, I think that is one way, uh, five ways anyway, that we can uh, navigate our way through life God's way. Uh, maybe that'll help you. I hope it does. We covered a lot of things today. Uh, and if you like what you, you, you heard, maybe you could uh, give us some feedback on that. Um, and there's, a, uh, I think, a link or uh, you know, provided. You can go to the Pinelander podcast and just send us an email. Yeah, Love to email. hear from you guys. But, uh, but hey, I want to close, if I could, in prayer. Let's do it. Uh, that you guys would be, uh, you know, uh, sensitive uh, to God's uh, call and his word. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we had together. Lord, we do acknowledge you as sovereign. Uh, Lord, we do acknowledge that uh, that you created us and that your word is holy and inerrant and in all its parts. Lord, we want to find your plan and purpose for our lives. And uh, Lord, if we maybe you're listening to this and you've made a lot of mistakes, and but today is a day uh, of salvation. Today is a day of grace. Uh, you can uh, repent of your sins and believe in Christ. He is the only savior this world will ever know and uh, i pray that you will know that you will know joy and then you will find god's plan and purpose for your life as you go all out uh, god bless you and uh, 
God bless the work of your hands. Bless all those that put their trust in him. Uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of the Pine Lantern Podcast. If you enjoyed the content, we hope you'll check out the sponsors. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. Uh, we have a lot of books uh, available and a bunch that we're getting ready to uh, load up. So um, uh, check out the uh, blacksmithpublishing.com. Go to the bookstore and check out the new titles. Uh, if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, uh, head over to the general store located at pinelander1776.com. Got a great selection of uh, a lot of different stuff there. And uh, again, we appreciate your support for the American Agogi Project, building tomorrow's warriors today. And until our next meeting, remember to keep your head on a swivel, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. God bless Pineland.